So, hmm. welcome everybody to Dead Man's Hollow. Uh, I'm Connor, uh, and we have Dusty and Penny coming down to the hollow today. Uh, and I guess to start us off, uh, last time, Dusty, you remarked about, um, oh, what kind of forest was it? The Sugar Maple Basewood Forest. You got excited about the Sugar Maple Basewood Forest. Why was that? Everybody likes maple syrup. Oh, okay. That's like specifically why. I just like I don't know anything about sugar maple basewood forest. Oh, yeah. So, like, tell me. Oh, I mean, well, <laughs> let me tell you the ways. No, maple syrup is great. So, sugar maples are, of course, just something that should be revered. And uh, basewood has really crazy anatomy. So if you ever get a chance to look at a cross-section of basewood, you should do it. Because, like, the branches come out of weird places? Or, like, what's odd about it? No, like, the, the like, cross-sectional anatomy is weird. Like, they have these big uh, triangular files of cells. Whoa. So it, it... They make, like, big pyramids in their wood. It's cool. Whoa. Do they still have rings? Like, do they do an annual growth and... Uh... In fact, they do. Yes, oh, okay. yeah. the The pyramidal cells are outside of the the uh, wood in the bark. Oh, cool. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and plants growing in a pyramid shape is not new. Um, that doesn't. That's a, that is a very human centric thing to say about <laughs> life. <laughs> Uh, but I remember growing a... up, we grew papyrus in my yard uh, because it was able to grow in California, which is very weird. Uh, but it, it grows in triangular shapes and forms like a triangle lattice as it kind of like spreads outward in a mat. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, yep, rushes, all rushes and sedges can grow in sort of these triangular forms. It's cool. cool. Plants are cool. Penny, what, what's up? I'm looking at some pictures of end grain. Should I be able to see that? Dusty? Maybe. I don't Let really me... know what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm send... I like that. Oh, I'll we, find, we just I'll haven't find even it. gotten into the hollow. We're like, no, no, no. <laughs> now we actually do need to learn about basewood before we learn about fictional make... trees. Let's see if I can... Do they make basses out of basswood? I know they make electric guitars, um, so probably. Yeah, they might. Let me see. Let me get in the right. That's a nasty in the right question. Super secret text right? channel. Yeah, I'm sure they do, well, but I mean, like, why is it called that? Why is it called basswood? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean. Whoa. Yeah. So Dusty has shared with us an image, which I'm going to describe to you, the listener, as the person who typically is like the description person uh, (laughs) here in Dead Man's Hollow. Uh, What we're looking at is like kind of like three layers of, it almost looks like a city from the top where there's like at the top of the image, there's a big clear park. And then that park has like a, boundary wall and then there's a bunch of radiating streets out from the park and then a big ring road and then a bunch more streets and then a big like cyan ring road that turns to hot pink and turns all kinds of crazy uh which is the bark part so we're looking at kind of the center hollow of the tree and then a couple rings of growth uh and then all the little blue guys are pyramid-shaped and part of the bark and totally uh, different. Uh, yeah, so it's almost like a whole separate neighborhood, kind of like rings the rather regular neighborhood structure of the cell walls in the first two rings. It's very Attack on Titan now that I kind of think it through. Nerd. <laughs> it takes a nerd to spot a nerd. Uh, <laughs> I was like, more than one this person will see that this is a s- <laughs> three concentric walls. <laughs> right. Oh, cool. Well, now I learned some about basewood. Uh, great. 
basewood as it pertains to Dead Man's Hollow, uh, the maple basewood forest is the forest makeup that's characteristic of kind of the lower half of each of the valley parts of the hollow, which is to say the, the, the lower half of the site's elevation, the parts that are closer to the creek uh, more than they are to the ridge line, tend to be uh, sugar maple basewood, uh, right up until you get down to where the buildings are all built, and then it's a successional forest that's all fucked up because like humans fucked it up. Or clay people fucked it up, depending. You got red oak. We got dry oak. So what do we got? Yeah. <laughs> what do we have in the, what do we have in these pictures you sent me? You got Oh yeah. Uh a red maple? This is the uh the the the, the ones that I just sent. I don't know what kind of trees those yeah. are. Yeah. Uh one of them looks like some sort of maple and the other one I don't know. It's opposite. So that means it's either um maple, ash, dogwood. Or horse chestnut here. Mm. Um, not horse chestnuts. I had a horse chestnut growing in the front yard of the house that I had. Um, which, when we bought the place, the horse chestnut had been struck by lightning about 20 years before. There was a big kind of, like, wound from where the lightning was that had kind of, like, made its way all the way down the trunk. And so after we bought the house, when I finally got a chance to really, like, sit with this tree, that wood was very soft because it was, like, a 20-year-long bacterial infection that was completely destroying the tree. And I figured that out when I kind of poked it with my finger, and I put my whole finger into the tree. (laughs) That's not good. Right. Not usually recommended. No. <laughs> no, I was not planning on putting my whole finger into the tree, but uh, that's because I was expecting the wood to be the sort of characteristic quality of, like, maybe kind of gross, damp wood, and it was the characteristic and quality of, like, wet cotton candy. It just melted as soon as I touched oh. it. Wonder- <laughs> wet cotton candy. Oh, no. Wonderful. Right, and that was like the majority of the tree. So uh, we got a tree service to come in and with a crane and uh, mm-hmm. kind of tie a rope to a portion of it and then detach that portion of it and uh, crane it over to the truck uh, and do that until there wasn't any tree left. Cool. Yeah, and then they took a stump grinder and removed the stump like they just they just it it the, where there was a stump then there was like a pile of wood chips made out of the stump it was pretty crazy <laughs> what's that giant russian digging machine oh i know what you're it, talking about but i don't know what it's called but yeah it was like that but for destroying a tree trunk uh which was just incredible uh yeah uh i don't know what those trees are Pittsburgh does have, like, a tree database uh, with which you can... There's, like, a web map where it'll load all 16,000 trees uh, and show you where they all are, uh, which is pretty crazy. They don't... Just because the city has the data, which they're very proud of, doesn't mean that the data is, like, not seven years out of date, because it is. And also, like, the city doesn't actually take care of those trees. Almost all of them are now kind of privately volunteer-minded because the city just like doesn't have the budget to maintain its own city streets. Speaking of which, I guess let's dive into Dead Man's Hollow if we're talking about industrial ruin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's Uh, go. Yeah, let's go. So, uh, y'all wake on foreign shores. You are in Dead Man's Hollow. Uh, Penny, you've arrived there from the 1980s, uh, searching for three lost young boys from the 1950s. And Dusty, you are perhaps having a psychedelic dream based on reading you've done of Penny Ithaca, Paranormal Investigator, uh, which is uh, your kind of favorite uh, dime store novel series, which you read uh, when you're out on uh, field work in your job as a biologist. 
and in this dream that you've awoken up in, uh, you guys are investigating shipping containers that you're kind of in and around, uh, and you're kind of like a plant person. Uh, not like Groot or Baby Groot-like, more kind of um, Frankenstein monster-like of many plants pretending to be a human instead of like a big tree man. So the last thing that happened was I made some very bad rolls, right? The consequences of right. Uh, so in the first container, you guys had found kind of the laboratory that uh, Dusty, you had been. I guess the way in which you arrived in the hollow was you woke up in this lab. The second container had nothing but a giant jawbone of a giant magical deer thing uh, covered in symbols. One of which is the great serpent. Uh, which is a mound uh, temple complex out in Ohio uh, that was built by some of the First Nations people, uh, I think like 800 years ago, perhaps more than 800 years ago. Uh, It's old. And then in the third and last container that was next to all of you was just thousands of broken pieces of clay men. And Penny, you tried to kind of open yourself up to the astral spirits and see if any of these clay men had things to say and oh they surely did so dusty you witnessed uh Ithaca paranormal investigator get you know 100 percent 110 percent haunted you know floating up in the air different voices coming out of her mouth saying crazy stuff give me back my eyes like it was a weird time to witness uh and that was kind of where we left things and so so do i remember all of that or not and dusty is the one who saw it how does that work oh uh you both were fully aware during all of it though penny you were in the horrible position of of being aware of it but not quite uh you know, in the way that sometimes you say stuff out loud that's not what you're thinking, but you're, like, angry enough that... Not you, but a person would say stuff out loud uh, without thinking it. And then have, like, a disconnect between what they're saying and what they're thinking. That's how it feels when these voices are kind of speaking through you without you taking any internal agency to really, like, talk out loud. And that's freaky. But, like... You've been a psychic medium before, so it's not... Uh, it's freaky ground, but it's familiar freaky ground. Uh, well, that wasn't fun. What's going on? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, I don't know, and I, I want to just recount to to Penny what happened. Um, and then I'd, I'd like to say, uh, Penny, has this ever happened to you before? Maybe not quite like this, but... Yeah, just a few years back, um, I was investigating a graveyard where uh, a large number of people involved in witchcraft were buried, and and my earrings kept getting stolen until eventually one spirit, like took me over just like that and uh, expressed some similar feelings as to what we just heard and I was able to follow that energy and find an enormous treasure trove of stolen jewelry oh how could I have forgotten of course that's oh gosh that's volume 48 I think I don't know. It's the the mystery of the stolen jewelry box. Of course. I oh, How do I I just I got to get back there. I'm I'm doing another read through of I guess your life. Um but I'm, you know, I'm still at, at sort of the the beginning. Uh, I just if, I just read volume 14 where you went to the séance. Okay. Yeah, if you say so. Oh wait, has that not happened yet? I I feel like I might be making a lot of temporal anomalies today. Oh, and and Dusty, that's not entirely your fault. The the publishers of of Penny Ithaca Paranormal Investigator uh, 
flogged this intellectual property for, for insane amounts of, of fast cash. They had ghostwriters writing uh, prequels, sequels, sidequels, uh, you know, anything they could get their hands on that had Penny Ithaca investigating something weird, they put out. So, no, the timeline's scattered, not because you're kind of scattered about it, but because, like, legitimately it's a, uh, mm, a difficult uh, fandom in terms of canonicity. Penny, this is no slight to the personage of you, just the oh, obviously. men who ran that publishing house in the 50s through 80s. Um, sorry. I'm fine with having an unclear canon. Uh, <laughs> it's part of the mystery. It's part of the mystery. Yeah, so this has happened before. Actual, actual spirits actually wanting rest in some way? Well, wanting something, that's for sure. Or like... So I guess we better figure out what they want. Hmm. The one said the eyes. I think I know what that is. And I hold up the... The, the purple seeing stones. Yes, the seeing stone. What we're looking at here uh, is you two conversing uh, kind of outside these three steel shipping containers. Uh, dusk is falling. You're in the hollow. Uh, there's a huge... Uh, calcified deer bone that is about a hundred times larger than it typically should be, a jawbone, uh, and a container full of busted up clay men, sort of the front bunch of which slid down out because you kind of pulled them all down to examine them. As you guys are talking, pretty slowly, the different broken pieces of the clay men where they had the kind of strange purple lichen on the interior side of them, uh, those different lichen patches are really starting to to grow and expand, to, to grow much more rapidly than regular lichen would uh, under the sort of invisible light of the invisible sun that y'all are now under. Uh, and even now during dusk, uh, it seems like even though the sun's going down, maybe that other sun is not necessarily going down, and that these things might just keep growing. Their growth period might be all night long, you know? That's not how lichen's supposed to grow. How is lichen supposed to grow? Uh, can I, uh, I want to touch it. Sure. Uh, so you have consumed some of this lichen uh, last episode, and it, it poisoned you pretty badly. Yeah, so you touch one of the lichen, and I'm just going to roll. Oh, great, cool. Uh, you managed to touch a different uh, specimen than the exact kind that you had ingested last time. So, yeah, there are distinctly kind of five different kinds of lichen. Uh, and now that you have noticed that there's a, a touch difference between two of them, you can kind of see up close here that, that there's clearly kind of five subspecies or varietals or uh, phenotypes, I guess. They're all growing slightly differently. Uh, one of them is a little bit more blue than the other ones. Uh, one of them is a little bit kind of blockier in its shape. Uh, one of them grows with pretty scabrous, scarred, like leaf texture tissue. Um, as its exterior, not not the normal kind of flaky lichen, but something much more like cactus, uh, or some kinds of cacti grow like that, um, where like the leaf has like little warts. Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely five different kinds of lichen, and they seem to match up pretty well with the five different kinds of pieces of clay mat. Yeah, a, a lot of the broken pieces of clay men are, are sterile and don't have lichen growing on them, but some of them do, about 30%. Um, alright. Let's see. I want to try and, I'd like to actually just sort of grab the really weird scabrous one. Sure. See what happens when I touch that one. When you touch that one, I guess you, 
you look for kind of like the biggest, healthiest specimen of the scabrous one? Yes. Well, uh, so when you touch it uh, and kind of use your plant body to try to feel what it as a plant feels like, the kind of plant energy you sense from it is that uh, it's spicy, you know, it produces capsation, it uh, produces all kinds of tannins to like poison the soil and keep other plants away from it, uh, but uh, it, it also, uh, despite being spicy, uh, is an ambitious tree. The, you know, it it, it it will grow to vast sizes and it will house entire ecosystems uh, because it's so very fancy. Is that clear for you? Do you need more information? Yeah. No, I think that's that's enough. I don't know, Penny, what should we do? You're the investigator, Penny Ithaca. <laughs> uh, right. Um, but I don't know a lot about lichen something going on with these is has to be what's behind all of this can you hold the stones up to them maybe the stones will yeah give us a clue i think they lit up before sure. but what else yeah right so as you uh as you bring the uh, i just said right in a really weird way right uh <laughs> all right how <laughs> that happened all right Okay, I think I have a meandering accent, so. Oh, I, I think I do as well. Uh, and I think my accent kind of, well, yeah, I, I have a very imitative voice. I will try to reflect the way that people are speaking to me, which is probably creepy. Wow, I just really derailed myself. You bring the seeing stones out, and you hold them up to the, the kind of pile of... Uh, clay man rubble one by one bring them next to each of the different type specimens of these different uh, lichens that are growing which which dusty i guess you've been like grabbing the really interesting specimens and bringing them closer for mutual observation as you bring the two seeing stones to the specimen that has a slight blue tinge to it you can feel them in a sort of magnetic or like increased gravity kind of way, have just a little bit of a psychic pull down towards that lichen medium. Ooh. Do you feel that? Yeah, that's that's weird. I think that's the one we need. Let's see, how can we safely carry it? Can I can I try and eat it is this a different one from what I ate before? Uh, it is, yeah. Well, the, the the one you ate before, uh, yeah, it, it's neither of these two. It's it's a third, third, third one. Okay, so we should be able just to. I think I could probably just grab them and like stick them on a branch and. If you say so. Okay. All right. I wanna. Yeah. I wanna grab one. And I'll put one sort of on one branch and one on the other branch and. Uh, I don't know where we're exactly going, but I. Now we have a lichen. On, I have a lichen on each shoulder. Yeah. We have other places we can go, though. So, uh, okay. If this so is Dusty, what we're supposed to you get kind from of, here. You, you, you've gained kind of uh, pauldrons, I guess. Are those called pauldrons? Am I, is my uh, <laughs> uh, medieval armory up to snuff? Hell yeah! Pauldron. Um, sure. <laughs> so. Uh, you, you basically take two uh, clay men, uh, like, thighs, uh, half thighs, I guess, because they're hollow, and each one of those is like a big shoulder pauldron that you're able to just kind of, like, sit on your shoulder, uh, lichen down, with one of the seeing stones kind of, like, at the end, and then in the lichen, and then the shoulder pauldron. And yeah, you just have kind of like two little seam stone eyes on your neck now, uh, with with like clay armor next to them. So that's cool. Very cool and very legal. <laughs> yeah, I look like a million bucks. You look like a million bucks. Uh, well, no, that's not the very fancy lichen. That's the 
the lichen that wanted the seeing stones. If you were to grab the very fancy lichen that you touched earlier, and then you look like a million bucks. But uh, I look like fifty bucks. You look like fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. All right. Where to, Penny? Um. And it is. It is now fully kind of like the end of dusk. It is dark. Oh, jeez. I didn't even think about that. Whoops. The seeing stones do give off a little bit of kind of like a purple candlelight kind of vibe, um, which, uh, Dusty, I hope, like, you can kind of turn off when you need to sleep. But uh, for now, yeah, like, it's getting dark. Do we have Do we have any light source other oh, than those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have all kinds so of magical, cool. spooky stuff that you can pull out to create light. Yeah, oh, uh, do, do without will to make some light. C- cast an orb. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's conjure an orb, and then we can... Oh, so as the, as, as the sun sets, Penny conjures an orb. <laughs> it takes a lot of focus. You have to be able to rotate a lot of cubes in your mind uh, to be able to do this. Very high cube score. Once you've been able to conjure the orb a couple hundred times, though, then it just, you know, then mm-hmm. you, it's it's like having just a portable lantern. You know, you just conjure an orb. So if we want to go away from the containers up the hill where there was, like, remind me how you described it in the first episode. Oh, sort of where um, you guys are at in the hollow? Yeah. Is that north if I want to head, like, towards the big tree? So the hollow uh, runs from the east, where the shoreline is, uh, going into the hollow takes you... Going deeper into the hollow takes you west. And then you are at these three containers, which are at uh, a kind of shale cliffside at the southern end of the the opening of the hollow, the kind of final... uh, delta of it that sycamore trees is just across at the top the northern side of that open delta and then the cliffs the sandstone cliffs that were clay quarries are up uh, above that so yeah so dusty i think we should head north up towards the quarry uh before the sun started setting i saw a big tree cool let's do it um, so yeah, we head that way. Having conjured an orb and with a little bit of purple light coming from these shoulder stones, you're able to make your way across uh, the valley. Dusty, it's here that you really start to notice that, that something's super different from uh, when you uh, fell asleep. Uh, this, it's, it's still Dead Man's Hollow, but a lot of it's fake. There's many parts of it that are clay trees and not regular trees. And this is kind of the first first you've seen of that, um, though uh, readers and listeners will have uh, heard about it quite a bit. But uh, yeah, uh, some amount of the, the most center part of the hollow, the, the sugar maple basewood forest, has been uh, replaced with, with giant cast mimic trees and mimic bushes and the whole mimic plant life all of it oh that's weird penny these aren't real trees and i'm gonna go knock on one and see and and hear the sound it makes (laughs) oh i will insert very cool foley uh it makes a deep resonant hollow noise because it really really is like mm-hmm. a big cast clay tree it's super unstable uh it's super heavy it's super hollow this is so weird why who would bother doing this there has to be some kind of deep natural magical energy hmm. just spreading out of control go ahead and roll a, a um uh, sort of a cult check, Penny, and and Dusty, roll a biology check 
biology knowledge check. I got a... It's a 13 for me. I got a 9. Okay. Those are both fine, because this is literally... There's this expertise. Says, uh, Fair enough. Wow, wow, that's a really complicated sentence to unpack. Uh, these are each your respective expertises. And so... You get massive bonuses, and those rolls are fine. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. This is something kind of emerging and happening. Thinking that through makes it much easier for for each of you to kind of at the same time uh, spot examples. This clay environment's not static. It is growing. The clay trees are very infinitesimally emerging from the ground an inch of more fire tree at a time, which is not how trees grow. Uh, (laughs) As if it was cast and is being kind of like mechanically pushed out of the kiln in the ground. It is growing from the bottom, adding height under everything. And similarly, the branches seem to be emerging from the trunk in such a way that uh, they're, you know, cast clay doesn't swell like this, but uh, it it seems like it is, and that's really disturbing. Can I taste it? (laughs) Yeah, uh, what in particular? I mean, so uh, other than it being made out of clay, and the occasional uh, swamp oak that you see here or there. Uh, you know, it, it's got birch, spice bush, witch hazel. What do you want? Uh, give me some birch. Sure. So, I'm gonna just, yeah, get some clay birch and see if it tastes like, uh, like a birch wood. So, so you, you break off a side branch of um, what you expect to be yellow birch, uh, which is Betula. Wait, Betula? Betula alleghaniensis. Betula. Betula alleghaniensis. The Allegheny birch, native to uh, the Allegheny area. And you uh, take a bite of the birch branch. It is fired clay. It tastes like brick wood. It tastes like uh, if you had busted into a pottery store and started like eating all the pottery as plant people are wont to do on a fun Sunday afternoon. <laughs> uh, that's what it tastes like. It, it is not birch. It's a clay imitation of birch. Oof. Alright, so I spit it out and I say it's, they're, they're all clay. It's not even, I thought maybe that it was like clay on top of, of, of birch, but it's, it's just all clay. This is, this is weird. I think we should keep moving. I don't. I don't really want to stay here very long. Yeah, let's go. You guys continue north uh, across the kind of uh, open front end of the hollow. Uh, to your left, uh, you guys see dark, uh, but with a couple of lights moving, kind of at the far distant end of the site. Um, there are a couple of buildings. There's a factory building. Uh, which, Penny, you expected to have been burnt down, which it was not. Uh, and, like, when you came through here, Dusty, it was... There's basically no trace of that building except for a couple of concrete pads where they had built, like, a cement ramp underneath a little rail spur that went in through the building. That's basically the only part of it that was left before you went to sleep. So the fact that now there's like a whole big structure there also sort of new. To your right, uh, you guys can see the sort of round areas where the kilns used to be. Um, And there's just a little hint of a purple glow kind of over to that side. But uh, the kind of huge white skeletal hand of this sycamore tree that Penny saw when she first came to the hollow. That's the thing that really is drawing your guys' eye. 
uh, in part because it's it's sort of one of the only sycamore trees in the place, and so the fact that it's got this uh, really light-colored bark is, is striking um, in the area, especially that it's you know, nearly nighttime now. Uh, yeah, and so you make your, your way, uh, assuming the lights don't distract you and you don't wander into the forest after a will-o'-the-wisp, uh, towards the sycamore tree. Hmm. Any kind of like questions or commentary about the other things you saw as you saw a little bit more of the hollow? I'm, uh... I mean, it's all real weird. So where I'm, do we... I, I mean... Hmm. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Like, what do you think of the, um... What? The, uh, factory there? Because I was told that it wasn't really here anymore like this. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah, I, this is all different from when I was here last. Where did you go uh, when you were here before? Well, I, I came through past a lot of this, but it wasn't... Some of it wasn't here, and some of it was different. Hmm. I don't... I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it. Anybody that replaces a real tree with a clay tree is a monster. I agree. Yeah, that... That must be super weird as a biologist to see biology kind of supplanted by a, a, a sculpture of biology. I mean, let's keep going. There's nothing... Is there wildlife? Like, are there birds or... Yeah, do we even hear anything? Animals? Yeah. It has been suspiciously quiet. As you make your way to uh, the sycamore tree that now you've arrived here it's quiet here too the orb and the purple light don't really reveal eyes in the dark at all there's not herbivores sleeping here waking up to spot you and think that you're gonna eat them there's there's not stuff hunting about if there were things in the underbrush they'd be horribly loud yeah it seems eerily unnaturally quiet the sycamore, now you're close to it, it's real. It's not a clay sycamore, it's a real sycamore. It is doing things a little bit differently. Unfortunately for you, it, it is also not uh, kind of part of the undisturbed natural environment. What's weird about this sycamore is that it looks like during some kind of wind event, maybe three or four years ago at most, uh, or maybe some kind of heavy weather event, uh, it, it got dislodged, right? It, 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 uh, its purchase on the earth was kind of overcome by uh, the amount of wind that was hitting it from the side, and it, it pitched over a little bit. It's not dead, but it is not uh, grown straight anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, when that happens to trees, Sometimes they bounce back, sometimes they do weird stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm not the biologist, you're the biologist, you tell me. But when it did fall over, uh, it, its roots kind of pulled the ground up with it. Its, its whole root ball was growing through about 10 feet of clay pipe. Um, not broken fragments of clay men, not uh, busted up fragments of living clay imitation trees, uh, actual kind of Victorian era from the hillside, intended for sale, but it had a defect, so it got smashed in the yard, clay pipe, uh, which the tree has kind of exposed by pulling it up, by being un uprooted by the wind. Hmm. The roots look normal? You, got, you go over to the sort of like root ball slash hole where the roots were to examine it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's I would like to investigate the root ball. This looks like it's an extraordinary healthy, if kind of stressed because it's on its side, sycamore. It's a little hard to tell. Um, you tell me about trying to tell between sycamores and um, London Plains and other 
uh, hybrid and partial hybrid sycamore species. Well, yeah. well, they all look the same. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to tell, but I think, yeah, I think I'm just wondering if like the roots look normal or like are the roots clay? Is the tree turning into clay? Is it's fallen over? No, so this this actually looks like it could have been part of 2015 Dead Man's Hollow. The soil in Dead Man's Hollow in some places really is 10 feet thick of clay shards of busted pipe that didn't make it to sale. You know, I mean, it was an industrial yard that was in use for decades, and it manufactured its own gravel aggregate, essentially. Yeah, the whole site is kind of like built out of itself. And so it's conceivable that, that a sycamore could grow this big and kind of rip this much uh, old clay pipe up out of the soil uh, and be uh, kind of as healthy looking as it is. But you do notice that there's something rusty down at the bottom of the hole. The hole is dirt for the most part and has some amount of dirt that's fallen in over time. You must be draining in some way because uh, Rainwater has exposed some amount of a rusty metal surface uh, kind of in the middle of the hole, which was previously hidden by the tree growing on top of it. Yeah, so I'm going to point to it and uh, say, Penny, uh, do, you see, do you see that? And then I, I want to start trying to dig it out. Um, I see something. What is it? Whoa. It, I, I don't know. It's metal. It's rusted metal. It might be like a, a box or I can't tell. We, we should get it out. Okay, let's do that. Um, how can I help? I don't know. Do you have supernatural powers that can just pull it out? Hmm. <laughs> and then I just start digging. Are we going to have to implement phrasing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I'll just start digging. And I say, start digging. Okay, I'll... uh. Penny, you grab, like, a tree branch and use it to, like, loosen dirt um, at the side of the hole. And, Dusty, you're able to use your big plant hands to kind of shovel scoop dirt up out of the way. And that's cool for you because it's like, uh, you know, you're like uh, snacking, you know? It's like a buffet work. Yeah, because you can kind of, like, lick your hands and then (laughs) throw the dirt clods. (laughs) Um, sorry, I, now I'm in love with and enormously satisfied with the idea of being a plant creature, because, like, any activity that involves mud is, like, inherently kind of also food, and that's really fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what's this thing look like, now that I'm up in close to it? It doesn't take too long, uh, but it quickly becomes apparent that underneath this tree, probably based on the size and age of the tree, you know, 60 years ago, by whatever metric you're counting, uh, and sort of improbably given engineering doesn't make sense, um, there's a buried shipping container here. Oh, no. Is it, are we, so we're digging down sort of and hitting the top of the shipping container? Yeah, you're hitting a... You're hitting a side of the shipping container. Presumably it's the top, but... Uh, you're going to need to excavate more to kind of get to it. Um, at this point, you know, like after 20 minutes of, of digging a hole in the dark, uh, it is absolutely nighttime, and the silence is broken. It's not silent. In this pause in the digging, talking a little bit, you realize, oh, no, there's not a total lack of wildlife. There's, like, noise again. Huh. That's not good. Or is it good? Listen, do you hear something? I mean, yeah, but we we didn't hear anything for so long. Is this... Should we be worried? Um, can I sort of, like, stick my head out of the the hole that we've dug and see if I see anything? Uh, yeah. You stick your head up out of the hole and uh, look around, and the light purple lights that were coming out of the three places where the kilns were are are brighter now. Um, Not incredibly bright, but uh, kind of like if 
if each of those was like a swimming pool where the lights were on under the water, but not in the rest of the swimming pool complex, like that level of kind of like a little bit of spooky light coming up from out of them uh, in this purple hue. And looking over at the factory, you can see that uh, it, in a kind of mysterious Miyazaki film kind of way, has come to life at night, and the midnight shift seems to be going. It's not, you know, they're not exploding stuff in there, uh, but there's started to be the kind of rhythmic thump of work occurring over there, uh, in a way that you guys couldn't really detect while you were digging a hole, because it's, you know, like, also kind of repetitive work noises coming from this factory. You can also hear very unfamiliar sounds, huge, echoing, slithering noises, like the atmosphere is made out of a lot of different kinds of air, and they're all a little bit upset with each other, and it's like uh, taking two balloons and kind of like when you push them across each other, and it doesn't make the sharp sound, it makes the, like, upsetting thrum kind of sound, but also a little bit, like, squishing through mud. Uh, it's coming from above you guys. Hmm. And it's loud. It's, it's not, you know, uh, like a train right next to you kind of loud, but it is kind of, like, distant echoes of thunder loud. What are the stones doing on my shoulders? If you get any kind of feeling at all from them, they're looking up, you know, they are watching the sky. I suppose I should look up then. Uh, Penny, I think I think we should look up. I think the stones want us to, to see what's above us. Okay, I'm gonna... Okay, I look up, what do I see? So, uh, I, I guess you kind of dim the orb, your work lights down to a minimum, and uh, kind of spend some time looking up in the sky. It's the sky that isn't the sky, and now that it's nighttime, and our sun has gone down, and just the, the invisible spectrum of the sun which can't be seen is the only thing which is shining. Uh, as well as smaller uh, candles, like the shoulder eyes. Above you, in the vast volume of space that is above the crust, the Earth's crust that you are on, hmm. you know, it's really hard to talk about space without... to talk about outer space, without diminishing just how fucking big it is, and so I'm going to kind of switch metaphors and talk about it like it's an ocean, uh, because I think I think humans have a little bit more of a better sort of fear brain about it, if, if it's full of water, but it's not full of water, right, it's full of vacuum, or maybe air, uh, depending on if it's kind of magic space. You are very, very small creatures. The clay particles that were in the branch that you ate, Dusty, just a bit ago are just a couple of orders of magnitude away from how big you are compared to the probably hundreds of orders of magnitude uh, between how infinitesimally small and at the bottom of this vast volume you are. It's, it's a oppressive column of water a thousand miles tall, but that's a metaphor, you know, that's as, as much as our brains can even grasp how big this space is. It's, it's far bigger than that. Both of you feel that in a really intense way, staring up at the sky. Um, and one of those sort of horrifying revelations when you're thinking about a water column a thousand miles tall, uh, or, you know, the, the real, true, accurate space, uh, which is even more bigger and horrifying than that, is that 
things can flit in and out of this volume that are much larger than me, much larger than your life could be, much larger than you and all your friends put together could ever be. Predators, prey, uh, things that have nothing to do with you, things that have everything to do with you, things that are haunting your species, and things that think of your species as a biofilm that grows on top of the food that their food predates upon. And so they think of you just as kind of like MSG on top of uh, the, their appetizers, uh, if they think of you at all. Uh, these are the kinds of things which can just come and go overhead. The vast, multi-legged, carapist things which crawl across the aether up there, you know, going through tunnels that are tunnels in space-time as much as they're tunnels through the sky. Those are the things making the sounds. If you'd ever seen the Northern Lights, they're bigger than any kind of northern light aurora phenomenon that you'd be able to view on our planet with our horizons. You know, th these are huge living things moving through the sky, sort of transparent, and they're far away, but not that far. And they're bigger and older than you will ever know. This is Dead Man's Hollow. Woo. Spooky.